Welcome to Hashtags and Stilettos with Sakita Holly, the podcast that's like having your own personal publicist in your pocket, sharing business, lifestyle, and PR tips on demand. Live tweet this episode using the hashtag Hashtags and Stilettos, and you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Hashtags and Stilettos, and you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Miss Success, that's M-I-S-S Success. To sign up for the future Hashtags and Stilettos newsletter, text the word hashtags to 444 999 on your cell phone and follow the instructions on your screen. The newsletter will launch in early 2017, and that's where all future podcasts, guests, and product announcements will be shared first. Today, I want to talk about five things you should know about brand partnerships. The topics I'll discuss in this episode will provide some key insights and hopefully answer any initial questions or lingering questions you may have about securing brand partnerships or extending the brand relationships you already have. My hope is that I can get you to think differently about how you, yes you, can work with and collaborate with brands even if you don't have a blog or a YouTube channel or a huge following on social media. Working with and pitching brands is one of my favorite topics to discuss. One, because I have a unique vantage point as both a publicist and a creative, so I get to see both sides of the coin regarding what works and what absolutely will never fly. And two, I feel compelled to constantly talk about this topic because so many people get it wrong. This is one of those episodes, you know, I usually don't really tell you to do this, but this is one of those episodes that you'll definitely want to have your business journal or notepad ready to take notes. No, really, go get it. I'll wait. Got it? Okay, (laughs) good. So let's jump right into it. The first thing you should know is that you do not need to be a blogger or an influencer in order to work with brands. You do not need to be a blogger or an influencer in order to work with brands. I am a strong proponent of believing that everyone, yes, even you, has influence. And no matter what your occupation or passions are, you can leverage them and turn them into a potential brand partnership opportunity. Before I move forward, there's something that I want to touch on briefly, and that is the vloggers, bloggers, or creatives that are listening to this that call themselves influencers. What I mean is I see it on people's profiles and in their bio, it'll say brand influencer, or they'll email and say, hey, I'm a brand influencer and I want to work with you. Please, for the love of God and French fries, can you stop? Like, do not describe yourself this way because it does a disservice to you and it doesn't really tell your full or true story. Yes, you have influence based on the things that you do, but describe who you are instead. You may be a beauty vlogger or a writer. You could be a stop motion video expert, a fashion stylist or merchandiser, an athlete. Be descriptive. You don't want to ever be the person presenting themselves as a sports influencer. So if you have the 
words brand influencer or ambassador in your social media bios right now, your first piece of homework is to change that and really give readers, or which will likely include some of your prospective brand partners, something to think about. Now, if you are a brand ambassador for a specific brand, obviously, you can keep that there. But back to the main point, you do not need to be a blogger or quote unquote influencer in order to work with brands. What you do need to be is creative and strategic, my favorite word, strategic enough to figure out how a brand partnership fits into your current work. I want to give you two very different examples of how regular everyday people can partner with brands. Now, these examples will help expand the way you think about how to approach working with uh, different companies. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you the person's occupation. I'm going to describe the makeup of their audience. I'm going to mention a couple of brands that they could potentially partner with, and I'm going to give you an idea that they could uh, pitch to a brand. And I'm going to talk about the benefit to the brand because whenever you're working with a company, there obviously has to be a mutual benefit. So the first example is a third grade English teacher. That is the occupation. It's a third grade English teacher. Now, his audience consists of 45 third graders, their parents or guardians, and the five other English teachers in the school. Potential partnerships include working with Apple Education or Scholastic. Now, if he wanted to work with Apple, he could introduce or leverage uh, Apple to introduce tablet technology to the third graders. Apple will donate 45 iPads to the school and will host several on-campus learning workshops for the kids and their parents. Now, obviously, the mutual benefit here is that he gets to encourage learning for his students. But when it comes to Apple, they get to introduce their products uh, to young, impressionable minds who will then go home and tell their parents about, you know, that they're excited to learn on these new devices. And then their parents may go out and purchase it to continue that learning process uh, at home. And what Apple is buying into if they work with the this third grade English teacher is that they're buying into future purchase behavior. Um, they're sh- demonstrating product utility in the sense that you can use our tablets um, at any age. You can start young, and here is what will happen when you do that. So, if this in- third grade English teacher were to partner with Scholastic, everybody knows Scholastic has their infamous book club. I know I used to love it. I wish I could go back and do it now when I actually have a little bit of money because I was all I always could get like one thing, if that. So this teacher would work with Scholastic and pitch them on doing an incentive-based giveaway to his third grade class or figure out if they can have a permanent Scholastic library in the classroom where students can redeem books or products using points received for good grades or behavior. Now, obviously, the benefit, again, is you're encouraging learning, literacy, reading, but also on the brand side, future purchase behavior. And if kids know about the great products that Scholastic has in terms of books, then they'll likely purchase books through Scholastic at some point. So that gives you uh, a quick 
overview of how you can be strategic wherever you are, no matter what you're doing right now. And this third grade English teacher does not need to have 50,000, 10,000, 5,000 followers on Instagram to do it. He already has his built-in audience with his, cl- with his third graders, the parents and guardians, and the other English teachers in the school. Because if he can get everybody in on it, then that's even more opportunity for Apple to kind of get in front of these future buyers. So the next example of a regular, everyday person leveraging their occupation to work with brands is a private practice OBGYN. Her audience consists of 183 patients and their families. Potential partnerships include Target and the CDC. So if this fictional private practice OBGYN wanted to work with Target and its many brands and private label companies, they could pitch a post-pap smear wellness kit or a post-delivery baby on board kit with all of the essentials you'll need after delivering a baby or having a pap smear procedure. Think about the little kit you get after every dentist visit with the toothpaste, the floss, and the toothbrush. It's the same thing. And when you think about it, you see the same brand of toothbrush. It may be Oral-B, it may be Crest mouthwash, or a certain brand of floss. Those brands are smart enough to donate that product to dentist's office so that you can use it. Because if your dentist is keeping your teeth, you know, fresh and clean, and this is the product that they're recommending to you, once you're once you run out of that, what are you gonna do? You're gonna go and buy it again. That's the point. So this private practice OBGYN could reach out to Target and partner on this post-pap smear kit or a baby on board kit uh, post-labor and delivery. And the benefit to Target is, again, obviously exposing, you know, women who've gone through this procedure or women who have just had a baby to these products for their immediate needs. When, When they run out, they're going to go and buy the same brands. The next um, potential partnership the private practice OBGYN could engage with is the CDC. Yes, Centers for Disease Control. And it's important, again, this whole episode is going to be about expanding your thinking. So it's important to also think of nonprofit organizations and government organizations as brands, especially government organizations because they, they're the ones with the quaint, with the T and the D and whatever else you want to put on it. They got the money. So, and because these government and nonprofit organizations are brands that our private practice OBGYN could partner with the CDC to fund a study on her in her area about the prevalence of uterine fibroids in African American patients and the best natural non-surgical remedies to get rid of them. Now, Funding a study with this test group of women with an ailment could lead to a medical breakthrough that could help millions of other people. So that is a very, very, very clear benefit to the CDC and also to the doctor because if, you know, using this test group of her own patients and she can find a breakthrough, she can obviously help them um, with their condition. And for, again, going back to the Target example, it's all about social responsibility and they can definitely get positive press and goodwill from that. 
And as I'm sitting here thinking about this, that post map, uh, that post pap smear and baby on board kit, post labor and delivery kit is a fire idea. So if you know any OBGYNs, pass that and tag me if they do it, because I just want to I just want to see that flourish because that's amazing. Now, and speaking of the CDC and how this our fictional study about uterine fibroids could lead to um, a, break, a medical breakthrough, I want to just take a veer a little bit to the right and mention Henrietta Lacks. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the, you know, she was a poor African-American woman who I believe went to, a, um, had cervical cancer, went to the doctor for treatment. They scraped her cells um, without her knowledge, and they used her cells in research, um, and the cells are now still being used to this day. This happened, I want to say, in the 50s or 60s. They still use her cells to this day. Um, they call them hella cells, and those cells have gone on to, one, pre- um, provide preventative care for millions of women, and also they've funded a billion-dollar industry in terms of uh, just all different types of cervical cancer research and, and things like that. So when you get a chance, look up Henrietta Lacks's story because, one, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you a little angry. Um, and they, they have only recently decided to, um, I believe, compensate the family for that, but it's never going to be enough. But anyway, kind of not sorry for digressing because that's an important story that people should know. But back to what we were talking about. So our third grade English teacher is going to work with Scholastic and Apple, or he's going to at least pitch them in hopes of working with them. And our private practice OBGYN is going to pitch Target and their private label companies and the other brands that they work with. And she's also going to pitch the CDC. Now, these are obviously two very different examples. And I did that because I want you to start thinking about where you are in your life and how you could potentially work with brands in a way that is creative, strategic, and has some mutual benefit for the brand. A simple template to use is to write down your occupation or passion projects, write down who your audience is, And then think of a few brands that would either appeal to that audience or be beneficial to that audience. And then think of two to three different ideas of how you could work with that brand and then get clear on what the mutual benefit to the brand will be. Because obviously you need to communicate that if it isn't, even if it is obvious, still communicate it. So to recap, number one, you do not need to be a blogger or an influencer to work with brands now. On to the second thing you should know about brand partnerships. You do not, number two, you do not have to wait for brands to come to you. A lot of people make this mistake, and then when no one contacts them about brand partnerships and they see other people doing cool projects, they start to feel inadequate and think that maybe they're not doing enough. There could be a lot of different reasons why brands aren't reaching out to you, but the main reason and I need you to get this. I need you to really, really get this because it's, it's super simple. The main reason brands are not reaching out to you is because they can't see you. You're hiding in plain sight. Imagine that you're driving down this long stretch of road, right? And on the horizon, you see the top of a mountain range, but you don't see the rest of the mountain. Obviously, it's there. 
but you just don't see it. That's what it's like for brands. The mountaintop consists of the people with the huge followings on social media or that have built these huge visible businesses that are always in the press. Because they're visible, they're more likely to be contacted for product projects. And a lot of times, brands go to the people with the most followers because as we're all trying to navigate this new world we live in, people with large digital communities are an easier sell internally when it comes to getting money to allocate to projects. Never mind if they can actually drive a sale or engagement. That's usually something that is wrongly assumed by the people who tend to make these decisions. But you, going back to this mountain thing, you, my friend are likely to be with me (laughs) at the base of the mountain that doesn't come into view until you get right up on it. But the only way for a brand to get right up on you in the sense of seeing you or knowing that you exist is would mean that they'd have to be deliberately searching for you. And the truth is, they're not. (laughs) Like, which is why I always, even to people with large followings, I always recommend proactively pitching to the brands that you want to work with. Pitching brands is a whole other ballgame that I'm going to devote a future episode to, but I want you to understand that from this moment on, you do not have to wait for a brand to reach out to you in order to be considered for partnerships. So pitch them, pitch them patch them patch up okay <laughs> i'm getting excited getting excited getting excited okay the third thing that you should know about brand partnerships is that you do need to build relationships you need to build nurture and sustain relationships in order to have fruitful partnership opportunities with the brands you seek to work with. Now, these include the relationships you already have in your network and the relationships you'll soon have with PR people, marketers, community managers, brand managers, and more. Too many people interact from a transitional mindset and falsely believe that the only time they can reach out is when they need or want something and that once that something is delivered, they are no longer responsible for maintaining or continuing communication. This is a terrible practice, and it will not work in your favor in the long run. In episode 20 of this podcast, that episode was how to build a killer network as a boss introvert. I talk more about my personal networking and relationship strategy, so take a listen to that if you'd like to go a little bit deeper on this particular topic about how to build and sustain relationships. Now back to what I was saying, not nurturing your relationships will not work for you in the long run. Sure, you may get tapped for a partnership once, but if you're not intentional about keeping the lines of communication open, that will likely be the last time that brand works with you. Another thing, when a brand through their publicists or marketing and brand team sends you product or anything, acknowledge that you received it and say thank you at the very least. When it comes to just simple manners, please and thank you can still carry you far. And I, a lot of people right now that are kind of navigating this space, 
don't really have the professional training in business. So they are being themselves. Um, and it's very unpolished, but it's like, if you can just inject some simple manners into that, it'll carry you far. Um, and it may seem as if there's this endless stream of freebies flowing to everyone, but you have to understand that all of those products cost money and they cost time to create. Sending you free stuff isn't free, just like you initially creating content without a partnership isn't free either. So it's important for both sides to understand how this works. Um, and it's also just about being gracious and if I send you something or if a brand sends you something, it's important for us to know that it got to its destination. Along these same lines is that the unboxing experience has largely moved to Snapchat, Instagram Stories, Periscope, or Facebook Live, and it's moved off of people's official timelines. And because most of these platforms um, expire within 24 hours, the PR person or brand rep will likely never see what you posted. So if you think that you're posting, you know, you're doing the brand a favor by posting this content, they haven't seen it. So one option or remedy for this, and I've, I've talked about this privately in the past, and this is something that um, one of the influencers that I've worked with on a project, they recently did this and reminded me that this is really the best way to go. Um, is that if you post an unboxing or a reveal of some sort of a product uh, or something that you've received on one of those uh, aforementioned services, download the video right before it's set to expire so that you can kind of max get the maximum amount of views and then share it with your brand contact along with the video view counts. The video view count is that part is a little tricky because some people may not get that, you know, your views may not be that high. So that part is optional, but you get the gist. The point is let people know what you're doing, especially if you're talking about a brand, because it goes a long, long, long way. And it's another touch point for you in terms of keeping the lines of communication open, which is what I recommend. The name of the game is staying top of mind so that when a project budget gets greenlit, which can happen at any moment, any time of the year, you're on that person's shortlist. I can tell you from experience that through my work in PR, the people that are consistently on my shortlist for paid projects are the people who not only keep in touch or add value in some other way, but they're also the people who always deliver on their promises. Which brings me to the fourth thing you should know about brand partnerships. You do need to deliver or over-deliver on your promises if you'd like to maintain fruitful, long-lasting relationships with brands. When you begin a project or brand collaboration, make sure, and this is important, make sure that you're clear on what the actual deliverables are, when they're expected to be delivered, and how or the mediums in which they are expected to be delivered. Too many times people will rely on their brand contact to hold their hand throughout a project. 
don't let this be you, especially because this project is likely just one of the many things that your contact is juggling. So they may not have the time to be on call 24-7 to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. For example, if they have to send you reminders like, hey, can you post your content now? That's not good. And it sours the experience a bit. Yes, shit happens, but work on being extra diligent and detail-oriented whenever you're collaborating with a brand. Take nothing for granted and ask as many questions as you need to ask because it's better to know than to make a mistake because you chose not to speak up. So again, make sure you get all of the information that you need about a project up front. And once you know what's expected of you, do everything in your power to kill it. Now, the fifth thing you should know about brand partnerships is that you do need to think beyond the product review. In the beginning of this episode, I gave you a few examples using a third grade English teacher in a private practice OBGYN to show you how you could be both strategic and creative as you're thinking about projects that you can pitch to brands. However, I can tell you from experience that a lot of influencers, creatives, I'm talking the ones with large followings, consistently pitch product reviews as their only idea of how they can work with a brand. And that's unfortunate because in my firm in particular, and I know a lot of other publicists can relate, a lot of other brand managers can relate, community managers, etc. I discourage my clients from paying for product reviews because those are the pieces of content. Those are the things that should be the most authentic and not influenced by how much you got paid because you don't want to mislead the people in your community or audience. If someone cuts you a check to review something and you actually hate it, your video or whatever, your photo, whatever you create, it's not going to translate because people can tell when something's inauthentic. I'm not going to call anybody out right now, but just use your imagination and think about a brand that you see all the time on social media and you know damn well they not really using it. They not. <laughs> they just not. So, and, and because I know this, I'm never going to buy anything from that brand because I don't know if it works. I know they got the coin, but I don't know if it works. But anyway, so don't pitch product reviews. That's not the best option. Um, so, but here's what I do instead. So if a client has a product and we're able to send that product, we'll do that. And once you know that it works for you, that's when we can have a conversation about, um, you know, what that's when you can circle back to the brand and pitch an actual campaign or some kind of content around that product. Obviously, I'm not saying that you're going to get a yes all the time because there are just different things happening in the business at any at any given point, budgetary constraints. So it may not always lead to an immediate yes, but it will help in the long-term um, relationship because people will remember those ideas and when money does become available, they may come back to you and make that happen. So please do not let product reviews be the only idea you have in your arsenal because you are selling yourself short. Again, because this episode is all about getting you to think differently about how you can work with brands, I'm going to give you three quick ideas that isn't a product review. 
So the how-to or tutorial video is a step up from a product review, but it's the kind of content that brands will fund because when they come out with a new product, the most important thing that they want to communicate to their audience is how well it works. They want to demonstrate product utility, so this kind of content will help with that. Any way you can personalize for the content or the pitch for a segment of your audience to make it even more specific for the brand is perfect, Um, i.e. you're doing something for new graduates, you're doing something for millennials, you're doing something for women with oily skin. I mean, these are very specific segments, and obviously it's content that people who have this issue or who fit in this category will find uh, because it's targeted, and it's, it's really what brands are looking for. Another idea, and again, these aren't the, the ideas I'm giving you now aren't groundbreaking. They're very entry level, but it's the type this these categories you can use over and over and over again. You can get so creative within each category. So the next thing that you can pitch that is not a product review is a day in the life lifestyle segment. And and again, I'm using video a lot, but Think differently and figure out if you don't do video, if you only do photos, how can you do a bomb editorial or photo spread? If you only write, how can you get one hot photo but then break it down so that it's appealing to an audience and appealing to a brand? Sort of like an advertorial. So a day in the life segment, you can do a video, editorial, photo shoot showing a day in your life, but most importantly, how do you incorporate that brand into your day? Is it an essential part of your day? Can you not live without it? Show us, tell us, let us see. Brands want to see that. The last um, idea I'll give you that is not a product review is content that turns the tables. Basically, turn the camera around on the brand. And this is especially good for independent brands. And I rarely see bloggers and vloggers doing content like this. But if you're consistently working with the brand, or even if you're new to that brand, why not interview the founder or another executive and have them tell the story, the brand story or their story from their own mouth? This is the kind of content that has a number of benefits because in addition to working with the brand and getting their story out, you are also strengthening a relationship with the person who makes all or most of the important decisions. And you're adding another layer of value to your audience. But the relationship piece, that nurturing and strengthening part, that's that's what I talk about when I say be strategic. You, You get access to the big dogs And you provide value by giving them access to your platform and your audience. I really hope to see some of this happen after this episode goes live because I know some, yeah, I I know who's listening a little bit. I know some of y'all and I I could tell that the wheels are going to be turning. So I really hope that you do take these ideas because they are free for the taking and make all of this happen. So I'm going to stop there because I could literally talk about this all day. But if you have any follow-up questions about, you know, how to work with brands or just brand partnerships in general, feel free to email them to hashtags at hos-pr.com and I will reply directly to you or I'll answer them on a future episode of this podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of Hashtags and Stilettos. If you loved it, please rate it. 
and review it on iTunes or leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can also share your thoughts on social media using the hashtag, hashtags and stilettos, or you can tweet or Instagram me directly at any time at Miss Success. That's M-I-S-S success.